Welcome to the 33rd episode of The Game Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Thompson. Here with me is Michael Majors. We're about to leave for Pro Tour Amonkhet here pretty soon. I guess you're not really going anywhere, but I'm about to leave. So this will be the last episode for a few weeks, unless we find time to do a Hearthstone one, I guess. Yeah, I still think that would be fun. I don't know, maybe we can just kind of do like a bullshitty episode in a hotel room in Richmond about Hearthstone. Yeah, I'm kind of down with that, actually. Yeah, I kind of make it fast and loose and... That'd be fun. Yeah, no, just no editing, just put it up raw. I'd be down for that. I haven't been playing, like, over the last week and a half, I've been playing lots of Amonkhet Standard and watching Chris on my couch losing Limited, which has been a lot of fun, but... Dude, he has, like, 16 trophies, don't give me that. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> how many drafts do you think he's done? Like, 100. Okay, I mean... I don't know. Over 70. How often does he have to bust out their credit card? That's what I want to know. I've seen him do it at least three or four times, and that's oh, while, while I'm awake. Okay, yeah, that's brutal. But anyways, yeah, yeah, we've we basically had a bunch of Hearthstone tournaments on in the background while we've been playing a lot of Magic, so nice. I've, I've been enjoying that. Awesome. Okay, well, we had the first open of the new format, and it didn't look good. It looked kind of bad. Uh, five Mardu decks in top eight. What do you make of that? Yeah, it, it does look kind of bad. So I, I, I even had like some people talk about this, like this was their complainer narrative or whatever they were like yeah I'm, I'm glad that Sahili got banned but maybe they should have done it like the monday after the open because it really screwed people over on card availability which is a a, a reasonable complaint yep. but the, the 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 flip side of the coin is you cannot have your first broadcasted Amonkhet standard tournament be completely irrelevant to the format well how much of it is wizards being concerned about what's going to happen to Star City and the immediate tournaments. Especially if they think that things are serious enough to make an emergency ban and that they made a mistake and they have to rectify it. It's just like, I think, A, no matter what happens, it's going to look bad. And B, I think it is probably better to do it sooner rather than later because it's like, what if the open happens and like Sahili crushes it, right? And then more people go out and buy Sahili cards and then they ban it. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's kind of like a no-win situation in some regards, but I think that this is about the best you can do, which was it kind of funneled people into playing Marty Vehicles because, A, they had two days to prepare for the event in a theoretical brand-new format. B, it's just the most tuned deck, and it's going to beat up on anyone doing something random. Yeah, it's it's the most tuned, and it is is or was the best deck. I think people at this point are pretty familiar with like how it works and even if they only had like a couple days or less because real life happens you know if they had less time to prepare for the event they could just like you know hammer out their own mardu lists or grab one off the internet from one of the many people that make content and still probably have something that's pretty close to optimal certainly there was not a lot of consensus in the mardu decks that did well in the tournament it just seemed like you know some people were on avazin some people were on glory bringers some people had push some people had cut like they're all over the place and they all still did well uh so i think it is definitely an indicator of like it being the the best deck at some point and it being the most tuned and it also just has like a ton of different playable cards right it's like sure you can play push or cut ribbons but like how badly are you going to mess it up one way or the other you know like you can't really make any mistakes yeah, at the end of the day, you're still going to be registering a deck with uh, you know, 75 super powerful cards, so you're probably going to be fine even if you pick Glorybringer over Avacyn or Cut Ribbons over Fatal Push. 
Yeah. So this looks horrible for the format going forward, right? It's like, oh, okay, well, you banned Felidar Guardian, and now it's just a one-deck format instead of a two-deck format, effectively. And obviously that's not ideal, but since you can't really mess it up too bad, and no matter what cards you register in Mardu, if you're registering a bunch of, like, rares and mythics, you're probably going to have a good deck. Like, to that end, they can't necessarily just, like, ban Gideon or ban Heart either. I don't know. I think this was the right choice still, just only banning Felidar Guardian. I certainly don't like when it happened, but I do think as time goes on, the format is going to open up because people are going to work on different things. Eventually, it'll come to a point where there are these decks, like these these mythical decks that, that beat Mardu vehicles and nothing else, like Paradoxical Outcome and stuff, and Aetherworks Marvel and things like that. Like Those decks are going to start showing up, and people are going to work on them. They're going to tune them, and that's basically what's been happening on Magic Online. Yeah, I, I agree that it, on the outside looking in, it is it is a bad look, but I don't think it tells the whole story. This was a very weird tournament just because of timing issues and kind of outside circumstances. But Marty's still going to be a great deck. Don't get me wrong, but absolutely, th- it, it doesn't it doesn't tell the whole tale. Nope, I, I agree completely. And P. Sully made similar comments just during the entirety of the broadcast. It's like, look, I know this looks bad, but I think things are going to get better. Mardu has had kind of like the green-white tokens treatment where it was like this deck that is one thing capable of shifting into another thing and a lot of people have worked on that and figured out the right way to make those sideboard plans work and like fix a lot of close or bad matchups, in this case black-green. Yeah, I mean, I I think over time like Mardu is pretty close to the ceiling for like how innovative you can get with the archetype but i think every other deck is kind of starting from square one especially the decks that people couldn't play when sahili was in the format yeah i agree with that i I do think it's interesting to note that kind of the small choices that we alluded to maybe not mattering that much week one in atlanta are, are actually going to matter a lot moving forward once other people start tuning their decks yeah of course i mean once you kind of have an idea of what the metagame is you're gonna know Like, is Exemplar good enough? Is that part of your plan? Or which 5-drop is better? Or which removal suite works for you? Or what's my sideboard plan and stuff? And those things will be important. But yeah, for week one, it's like, you're going to play against any random assortment of garbage, you know? I I feel like if you have, like, Cut or Fatal Push, it's really not going to matter that much. It's basically like, their deck is untuned and probably slightly lower power level than yours, and... Yeah, obviously, like, you know, there weren't eight Mardus in top eight. Like, the deck is certainly beatable, but I think for the most part, it's like they're they're getting it in good every time, regardless of their exact composition. Yeah, it, amusingly enough, kind of my take on it is, like, Jessup, who is, you know, for sure one of the best players in the room, kind of displayed, like, the version of Mardu that probably has the best edge against the Mirror Match, who might be trying new things. Like, if their opponent has... You know, not that many fatal pushes and glory bringers. Then his heart of Kieran's are very effective. His Avicens can ambush glory bringer. So I, I think that's probably where he probably got a small edge. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's kind of funny too. I also I don't know. I watched him on camera a few times. It just always seemed like he had Gideon in play. Maybe that's uh, a testament to his skill level, right? And he's been playing with <laughs> Gideon for a long time. But it's also just like he he drew the card he drew the requisite amount of mana like he had the tools to like protect it from his opponent and stuff but it it did seem like he just always had gideon and that's how he was winning well sure but he also just played 25 lands in his main deck which is a pretty big testament to like all right i'm not gonna lose unless i get mana screwed yep avison looked pretty good for him fatal push definitely looked good and i know that my lists have been moving more towards cut instead of fatal push and certainly with Heart of Kieran being obviously a big deal, like, I should not be moving away from push at least as hard as I was. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I've I, I've been very impressed with cut ribbons. Don't get me wrong. I five out a league with a list with like three of them and two fatal push, but uh, it's probably not reasonable moving forward. At least until the meta game solidifies a little bit more. Yeah, or or unless you have another way to answer heart of Kieran well. Right. Right. Yeah. Cer- certainly, you can't just not play any fatal pushes at this point. Yeah, Andrew just kept it simple. He did what he did. He didn't get too cute. He just like played basically the best version of the best deck and just crushed people. Yeah, I think that's kind of his MO too. Like he just plays like a pretty solid stock version, doesn't get too cute and just tries to play well. And usually it works out. Yeah, and this is this is one of the things that I've been trying to focus on too, where it's like, it's not cool. It's not sexy to do what he does or whatever, but it's like he wins a ton and that's why. And I've been trying to shift my deck selection to line up closer to his just because like I'm at a point where I want to win instead of be innovative and be cool and stuff and I do think that that's the way to go and yeah he, he just annihilated everyone which was great further solidifies that in my mind yeah I, I try to keep my doing lots of cool shit to moto where I just consistently light tickets on fire hell yeah that's like exactly what magic online was designed for it's just like getting it out of your system yeah, I don't know. I, Marty's definitely great. Marty's going to evolve based on how the metagame is shifting, but uh, it's it's really tough to predict what's going to be good at Protoramicet because Magic Online is kind of just wild right now. Yeah, so is the top 64 of the Open, too, because there's just like a smattering of every deck because people just don't know. It just seemed like there were the people that were in the Mardu camp, and then there the, everyone else just like, you know, divvied out the decks randomly. But equally, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm not sure if I if I buy that as the narrative, but I can appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I guess there was slightly more, like, black-green than, than any of the random stuff, which is, like, if you're not going to play Mardu, that's probably the deck that you're going to play if you want to play something that you're kind of confident in and are likely familiar with, you know? Week, week one is always kind of slow as far as new stuff. Not always, but most of the time. Yeah, I mean, this is just one of those super strange circumstances where, like, Theoretically, there should have been more information for this tournament because Moto was released uh, earlier than normal, but then just, like, the emergency ban just completely annihilated that. Yeah, what was it, like, you got two days of daily events, and this is even, like, before a lot of cards have entered the system, like, a lot of the cards were still pretty expensive, I know, because I bought most of them, and I'm just, like, (laughs) kicking myself now, but whatever. So, yeah, like, people didn't have a lot of time to prepare. They didn't have a lot of information coming in. So, like, what are they going to do? Obviously, they're going to play Mardu and Black Green. And then the other people that are like, oh, you know, like, White Red Humans, for example, looks pretty good. And I feel like this is good enough to play. That's just kind of how people roll with it. Or, like, I, I saw some people on camera that had, like, an all-foil zombie deck. And it's like, yeah, this was not a spur-of-the-moment decision for you, you know? <laughs> like, this, it's the time. It's finally time yeah. to pull the trigger. Yeah, you knew. You were waiting for this with your 24 Onslaught Foil Swamps or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know if it's reasonable to bring up because we're going to be talking about zombies here in a few minutes. But Zombies is good. I'm just going to say that. I do think it is good. Yeah, th- like I've been playing a lot of Magic Online, maybe not as much as you. And I've gone through like a bunch of different decks. And Zombies is just one of the ones that I haven't gotten to yet because there are so many things to work with. Yeah, Tom sat down against me today for a versus video. He was like, Zombies is good. So I'm like, oh, okay, guess it's good. And then we played. You know, we don't really talk that much. It's Tom. Yeah, right. And you're not overly verbose either, so. <laughs> True. You're just like, zombie's great. You're like, I, and then you battle. <laughs> right. That's definitely high on the list of decks that needs to be tuned, but clearly has enough synergistic moving parts to actually be an effective strategy. And it made the top eight when it looks like a pile of unplayable cards. 
it penetrated a Mardu and Black Green heavy, you know, metagame that those decks are tuned, and this is just two mana two twos. Well, you're, are you talking about the open? Yeah. Caleb's deck was not zombies. Didn't Black... Oh, it made the top 16. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got 14th. Right, right. Mono, mono Black was the top 8 deck. I'm, I apologize. Yeah, and even the zombies, like, have a lot of different cards and a lot of different ways you can build it. Like, there's a lot of white-black stuff from the new set. There's blue-black from before. Eric Hawkins was playing that with, like, Drake Haven and Prized Amalgam and stuff. There's mono-black. You just have, like, all the lords that you could ever possibly want. A lot of different ways to build it, too. And I, this is kind of the case with everything, but it's like when you are building a deck to take into an open field, like, what do you do? Like... You know, do you need the the white staying power from Gideon or, like, the reach from Wayward Servant? Or do you want a bunch of, like, lords to be better suited to, like, combat? Just, like, focusing on the battlefield or whatever. Or do you want blue for Drakehaven so you have this hard-to-deal-with threat and, like, this recursion from Haunted Dead and stuff? Like, how do you how do you build your deck and how, do you, how can you possibly know whether it's right or wrong? Like, you just can't. And hopefully going forward... We'll have a little bit more information from Magic Online. I guess, like, Star City's not really doing anything else before the Pro Tour because they have Richmond. I don't know. Maybe maybe this this Pro Tour is just going to be a clown fiesta. We'll see. It might be. I guess we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but... Uh, no, we are, for sure. It, it seems to me like Prized Amalgam was a pretty big loser when I expected it to be a pretty big player, actually. Either, like, Blue-Red or Red-Black with Drake Haven. I, yeah, let's let's talk about that for a little bit because like we we both like this card I think more than most. Just like Prize Amalgam and Haunted Dead in general, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean I I love garbage engine cards that require way too much work for what you get. When Kaladesh came out, I think it was okay. It was like close to having the tools to compete with everyone, and I think now it has the tools to compete, but it's it's just more enablers and not enough like ghoul steed action. So. The payoffs are the same, and you're a little bit better at enabling that stuff, but now the power level of the payoffs is not comparable to what everyone else is doing. Yeah, so at the end of the day, like, so I, I thought Drake Haven would, would fix a lot of this problem, but it's too much of a mana investment, and it kind of needs your draw to line up properly and things along those lines. Like, at, at the end of the day, it's still very difficult for you to properly pressure your opponent unless you hit multiple prize amalgams. Yeah, there's there's not really a tool to do that. There's no like buried alive or way to go through your deck really fast to find them. It is just like all right, if I draw one and my enablers work, then I'm I'm kind I feel like I'm just a little behind against everyone else. And if I draw two, it's like okay, we're kind of doing it, you know. But other than that, it just feels like Haunted Dead itself is just like not really playable because it is so weak. Like the games aren't really about that. Yeah, I watched uh, a, a decent amount of the SEG broadcast and patrick sullivan seemed to have a lot of fun with kevin jones about that mm. he mocked the the amount of effort it took to have a 3-1 flyer enter the battlefield yeah and that's that's no joke i played some with the deck and i've played some a, a little against it and i've generally had like magma sprays and stuff too which just makes it even more comical right yeah uh, definitely that card has picked up in popularity a lot so yeah i don't feel like these graveyard strategies are super great i do feel like they're underpowered now which makes me sad just very sad because that was like one of the first things i was working on yeah i I want them to be good too but to be fair like those those decks when they're properly functioning and if they could do it at a consistently high level would be very frustrating to play against that that's certainly true too but maybe there's like counterplay there's magma spray or anger or like real graveyard hate or something but whatever so going forward i think red black should be like alms of the vein instead of haunted dead for example 
Yeah, there's definitely been some lists popping up. Suicide, Blackish, Alms of the Vein, Hazaret. Uh, very, very aggressive. That looks pretty cool. Yeah. So I, w- I want to try some of that stuff, like some of the like super get under you beat down stuff that doesn't involve like always watching or thirty creatures. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Do you do you want to start talking about just like the Moto metagame in general, or kind of the stuff we've been playing against, what we think is good, or? Uh, I, I still want to talk about Moto a little bit. So looking at the open, and this is not to like diss anyone, but the decks don't look great. They do look mostly untuned. And that's to be expected. It's week one, and also people didn't have time to prepare, and they had no idea what they were going to play against, right? So how the hell can your deck actually look good? But the Magic Online decks have looked a little tighter. If you're living on Magic Online and not necessarily playing in real life, that makes sense, especially since, you know, you play in a tournament, you lock it in on Friday, and then by Sunday, like, yeah, you have more information, and your deck probably looks way worse than it did two days ago if you could change it, right? Whereas the Moto people have been like, yeah, from Friday to Sunday, I played six leagues and changed my deck a bunch. So I've had multiple tournaments where I just have a 12-card sideboard by the end of the tournament. Yeah, same. I figured that out like round two, round three maybe. Oh, yeah. You know? it's, it's, it, I don't know what... It, like, if there was some way to, like, I don't know, buy out, like, a card in your deck by, like, round three, it would, it would be very, very valuable to me. I just wish the leagues kind of went on, like, a match-to-match basis and not, like, a five-match basis. <laughs> yes, I, I always like, get so angry at myself by, like, round three. What if what if you could sign up for a league, and this is super off-topic, obviously, but what if you could sign up for a league and then just every round you could load a different deck? It makes posting results weird, right? But who cares? It wouldn't completely, like, invalidate results because obviously people just don't have five different decks that they're going to play with, but, like... Yeah, I don't know. That would be interesting. It, w- it would invalidate the results a tiny little bit, but not a lot. What if you got to play on, like, a ladder, and every three wins, you got some reward? Yo, no, not that's, that's, I don't know, that, that shit's probably trademarked. Can't be doing that. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And then say you got to, like, you know, rank 15, and you could not lose stars at this rank. <laughs> that's, that's a good player experience right there. It is, it is. And then that's when the brewing happens. But no, I don't know. I mean, obviously, like, I like that system more because I'm constantly, like, taking things in and out of my decks, right? Like, I'm constantly tuning and testing different things. So for me to lock in something for five rounds kind of stinks. Yeah, completely agree. I, I don't think I've ever, at least in recent memory, last year or two, I've never, like, registered the same 75 for back-to-back leagues. Yeah. If I go to a tournament that's the first week of a format and I register my deck, there's just no chance that I'm as happy with my deck on Friday as I am, like, on Sunday, right? Like, just at the end of it, I'm like, yeah, my deck was 20 cards off. Right. That's basically what's happened to me at a lot of Pro Tours, too. So, that's week three or four of a format. So, anyway, I do think the Magic Online decks look a little bit better than this tournament. I think the Magic Online people, like the people who are actually spending time grinding have a better idea of what the metagame looks like and have tuned their decks accordingly. And I think the results are probably a little more relevant than just, like, this open that was basically people showing up with, like, what cards they had, most likely, with, like, no testing behind them. That's just, like, my general assumption. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I I mean, even what you're saying can kind of be seen in, like, the classics. Like, those decks look better than the open decks. Oh, yeah. No, I, I actually want to talk about the classic a little bit, too, because it's, like... This is a Sunday tournament, and only two Mardus made the top eight. There's there's a Bant Aetherworks and a Teamer Aetherworks, but otherwise the other six decks are just completely different. And it's like, that's that looks like a good format to me. Right. 
And just that that's one day of information, you know, maybe from the open people could tune their decks a little bit, maybe they saw some better results or whatever. But I mean that that's that's not a huge time frame to have such a dramatic difference. Yeah. And it, it could also be like these are the people that didn't make day two of the open because they weren't playing Mardu and therefore like did not have Mardu cards, which is why Mardu did not show up in the classic. I don't know. I have no idea exactly what it means, but that's possible, top- but going a little deep. It is, it is super deep, but, you know, I'm sure it's a combination, right? But, like, yeah, the top 32 looks incredibly diverse and looks like a format that I would enjoy playing. Nothing, nothing like, too spicy. I'm still waiting for you to break Paradoxical Outcome or Paradox Engine or whatever. Oh, but... dude, it's just Splendid Reclamation these days. Okay, yeah, that one too. Some Turbo Fog action, whatever. I think Commit to Memory is just kind of, kind of messed up and fundamentally changes the way that you can build decks. Maybe, like, you know, that stuff will never come to fruition because it's kind of dirtily and, you know, Gideon, etc. But Yeah, they play two mana 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, I already died on turn four last night to uh, double Lathnew Hellion. That was fun. Ooh, I like that card a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, but it's tough. It's always tough. The big takeaway I, I want to think is that the open doesn't matter too much. It's not too indicative of what is going to happen in the coming weeks. I don't think it is like you play Mardu or you're stupid. I don't think it's like that at all. No, of course not. So yeah, do you want to talk about what you've been playing against Omoto? How decks look? What you've been impressed by? Let's talk about zombies. I heard I heard from Tom Ross that hit, that zombies tight. Yeah. So you know, linear beatdown deck. That's that's up Tom's alley. That's that's obviously no secret to most people who follow competitive Magic. But but basically, that they, they finally just got enough like parts like. We talked about how, like, man, Cryptbreaker would have been an insane card, you know, in 2005, and Relentless Dead would be so sick, and, you know, years ago, if we had time to spend all this mana dirtling or whatever, or if we had enough incentives to actually have this zombie tribal synergy, but now you you kind of do just have a critical mass of stuff. And, like, Diagraph Colossus, if it was different templating a year ago, like humans or whatever, would be super powerful, but it's just, like, there wasn't enough reason to play all these zombies in your deck. Yeah, it's it's actually messed up where, like, that card existed and you go through, like, you look through Gatherer and search for zombies and it's like, there aren't even, like, two zombies at each spot on the curve, right? It's like, oh, I have one one-drop, one two-drop, seven different three-drop zombies I can play and, like, nothing else. And it's like, what the hell? Exactly. And and now you have, uh, basically, the, the reason the deck is viable, I think, is because of uh, Dreadwonder, I believe the card is, the the jackal, the, the one-drop. Yeah. So, so finally, like, you can actually curve out a decent amount because you have uh, Crypt Breaker, Dread Wonder, and you can Fatal Push and Interact or display a tap land. Yeah, now, I mean, now you have plenty of different things to do at all spots on the curve. You have more Lords than you could possibly want. You have more Zombies than you could possibly want. And there are different color combinations if you do want to splash. Yeah, there's a lot going on. And one of the, the big upsides to playing Zombies is things like Dark Salvation, which I think is a pretty big sell. Yeah, uh, again, like, this this card should be sick. So so that's kind of, like, my biggest critique of the list is 20 lands, 2 Dark Salvation. That doesn't really make sense to me, especially because the deck is so glutted on 3 drops anyways because those are, like, the powerful top-end cards. You want to be casting these cards. You have Mana Sinks. You have Dread Wonder. You have Crypt Breaker. You have Dark Salvation. I think you can do stuff with your... Even Scrap Heap Scrounger. Like, you have plenty of stuff to do with your mana. Right. Plague Belcher is good, but probably not worth playing. It, it strikes me as a deck where you want one of each of your pieces on the battlefield at a time rather than, like, 2x or whatever. Yeah, so this isn't modern merfolk where you just want to load up on as many lords as possible. Exactly. Yeah, like, each thing kind of brings something to the table. 
There, there are diminishing returns on basically all of these cards. Yep. Uh, cool interaction that Tom played against me, which I hadn't thought about, was Blinding Mummy with Crypt Breaker acting as a, a tapper at instant speed, which was really cool. Yeah, that's sweet. So, you know, if you're, like, making a zombie, tapping your opponent's creature, draining them for one, chipping some damage in, it's really hard for them to attack back because, like, they lose a life every time you get into combat from Plague Belcher. It's, it's tough to play against. Sam Black better make us a good zombie deck for this PT. I'll be <laughs> upset. I don't know. Like, I, I really like these hyper-synergy-based, kind of aggressively slanted strategies that are just usually not good. Yeah, normally they, they just fall a little short power level-wise, kind of where Haunted Dead is at now. And I do think that like Haunted Dead Prize Amalgam is the trap for this deck, where it's a thing that people had to do to make Crypt Breaker work earlier... But now you actually have enough cards that you don't have to do that. And you get to play like Lord of the Accursed, Plague Belcher, whatever you want. I think it is just about realizing that you you should be mostly a beatdown deck with some disruptive elements and then figure out what splash best suits your needs. Yep, agreed. Like, theoretically, this is a, a great home for cut to ribbons because you're kind of just like chip-shotting them and doing a lot of incidental pressure. And maybe, obviously, you can't play the, the black-white zombie, but you could play four Plague Belcher and have that be like your incremental damage engine. I saw a red-black deck. Where was that? Was that in the Classic? Or was it Moto? Uh, One of them was like Gifted Aetherborn, Cut Ribbons. Yeah, it was basically like Splashing Cut Ribbons, Disintegration. Yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable. So, like these these black-based aggressive strategies, zombie-driven, they got got some tools. Finally, like you're making choices, like you you alluded to, on the curve. Whereas previously it was like, well, I have to play these these 12-2s and these 8-3s or whatever. Yep. I, I just don't have enough experience with the deck right now, but it's it's definitely something I'm interested in looking at. Yeah, I definitely like Zombies too. Like I said, one of the things that I just haven't gotten around to playing, pretty similar to Control. I've, I've mostly been trying, like, you know, some Mardus, some Black Greens, some Energy decks, like some Marvel, but not like the all-in combo Marvel decks, and just random crappy brews, mid-range brews. A lot of green decks. Well, it's 2017, man. I gotta go back to my roots, play some some magma sprays and some counter spells and play with some zombies. I played zombies in like a lot of tournaments and always kind of felt the same way where <laughs> you're you're like you're the mid-range deck that's like going to try and like go under the the big mid-range deck, but it like it doesn't feel like it should work, but a lot of the time you actually just get there. I mean, are we talking like all... oversold cemetery? Yeah, kind of. Like definitely not bidding cuz bidding just went over the top of everyone, right? Yeah. But, you know, you know, like, the, the black-white, like, hand-in-hand decks or whatever? You're just, like, mono grizzly bears and, like, some jits? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's that's my bread and butter. Okay, yeah, so it's like that deck, right? Where it's, like, supposedly Solar Flare is supposed to go over the top and just crush you. But, like, you generally get to nickel and dive them out. Ghost Council, Orzov, or whatever the hell that one's name is, not Opsidat, always finds a way. Yeah, that is true. So yeah, I, I think the most interesting thing about the way Marvel decks are constructed now is that they... Because, like, you aren't forced to have to tap out on turn three and actually get on the battlefield to pressure Sahili, is that, like, they're all Glimmer decks now. Yeah, that's weird. I, so I'm I'm, I'm just kind of, like, predisposed to not liking Glimmer because last Pro Tour, I played four-color Sahili and Raptor and Matt Nass built, like, this four-color Marvel deck. I think they, yeah, they had the Sahili combo, but they were, like, all Glimmers and Dispels and stuff. So I was like, oh, I don't really like this. And it just like looked really bad, and they did pretty bad, and it never really caught on. And now everyone's doing it, and it's like, oh, I feel like I'm having flashbacks to that. But I know it's like a different world and certainly a different deck and everything, but it just... it. You're certainly describing something wildly different. Yeah. No, I am, for sure. But 
I don't, I'm just like skeptical of Glimmer in general when you could be doing so many better proactive things. Yeah, but it also makes the games pretty tough for your opponent to play. Like, they have to kind of try to pressure you or, like, interact with you with, like, counter spells or discard, I guess, to fight, like, just you curving out into Marvel on turn four and just, you know, not drawing them. But then if they, like, kind of turtle up and they try to play a more reactive game against you, then you have the option of just overpowering them with, like, Glimmer or even, like, pretty common for people to be playing Bounty of the Luxa or Nissus Renewal and just, like, actually working towards hardcasting Emrakul. Or, sorry, not Emrakul, Ulamog. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, yeah, these are certainly different decks, and I have, like, all these thoughts and opinions about these decks and, like, what they are, what they should be, and I think I just have to, like, play with them. Like, play with the newer versions, right? And then just get acclimated to what this deck actually is now. Yeah, for sure. It's basically just kind of... Slanted more mid-range as, like, the end of the Emrakul era was. But instead of playing Planeswalkers, you're... Well, when, when I say it out loud, it just sounds so much worse. But, yeah, you're just drawing cards and <laughs> playing a more normalized game. Instead of playing Chandra and, like, Children <laughs> of the Conduit, you're, you're playing Inspiration. I mean... Wait, what? What? Ex- explain that to me. <laughs> Throw me a bone, man. I don't know what to say. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I I already have, like, this thing in my head that's telling me that this is not good. And then when you say it out loud, it doesn't make it sound any better. But I mean, providing energy is a very relevant thing. Like, it, it provides a huge bonus of resources, both, you know, selection, card advantage, and energy. You could just play Rogue Refiner, though. I mean, I, I've seen lists with both. But, yeah, some, some people are cutting all the creatures. I don't know, man. I'm actually more interested in playing Warlord of Choice than Rogue Refiner. I think that card is just very threatening and actually gives you a huge sink and lots of percentage points in like any control mirror or whatever yeah so it is good there when they're especially when they're like trying to dispossess your marvels or whatever right having something like virtuoso instead of refiner is definitely going to do more work for you i also feel like for the most part the deck really only wants one energy sink sure i mean also like, i was just gonna say rogue refiner also just like lets you play magic more consistently yeah no, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why I've gravitated towards these green decks is, like, you have Vessel or Oath of Nyssa or even just having a tune with Aether and Rogue Refiner. Like, these are things that help smooth out your draws and make them very consistent, and I definitely enjoy that. And it's not like I'm doing that stuff at the expense of having a powerful deck because these things are also trying to do powerful things, but it just, I don't know, it, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Let me, let me, let me throw a nice analogy at you and, and see what you think. All right. All right. So you know how we like shit on Dynavolt Tower teamer decks last season? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like that's basically what these decks are. Like if you look at them, they're basically just splashing for a tune. They have like 13 or 14 green sources, and instead of just Dynavolt Towering their opponents, their sink is just Marvel. So the the, the criticisms that we had were mostly just like splashing a tune with ether. Yeah, right. But like I I think the way those decks are constructed are very similar. But now they have like maybe refiner, maybe the puzzle knot or whatever, but yeah, I yeah. agree. But instead of like splashing a tune to play a normal game, this is splashing a tune to try to just clown their opponent on turn four. This is lay of the land plus, you know, add four mana towards casting Ulamog off an Aetherworks Marvel or whatever, you know, it's like giving you a lot of resources that you get to transition in a powerful way instead of just like lightning bolting something. Yeah, like I, I'm more excited about splashing a one drop to win the game than to cast lightning bolt. Absolutely. And that's that's probably worth jumping through hoops to do. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the the point is like us just kind of bullshitting is that 
it's very up in the air of like how you can and should build these Marvel decks. Like not even the colors aren't aren't even set in stone. Bant won the classic. There's been lots of teamer over the last year and also on Magic Online. So it's interesting. It just I mean, just like the zombie decks, man. It's like, oh, this was a deck that people couldn't really play, and now they can, and holy crap, we have to figure out the best version, and we have to do it quick. We don't have enough time to do everything, at least. Yep, but uh, the exploration process is, is nice again. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of like stuff just rotated, sort of. Like, the format certainly shifted, and... I definitely like it. I don't know. I, I would settle for a rotation like every set. I know that's not feasible, but just like keep it fresh, you know? Sure. I mean, we're, we're, we're saying this, and once I leave my apartment after we're done this podcast, I'm probably going to go over to our testing house, and it's just going to be like two Mario Mirrors and Mario vs. Black Green setup, but, you know, fuck me, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, Bounty of the Luxa was a card you brought up. This was a card I looked at and was like, okay, this is probably pretty good in like some Ollie Antrazi deck, right? But sure. like, I tried to I tried to build one and failed miserably. And thankfully, Ollie played it at the open, and and cashed with it. So, yeah, I don't know. His deck kind of looks like nonsense. But like, oh, he doesn't even have bounty in his deck. Well, there goes your entire point, Jerry. No, he's blue green ramp, and he's not playing it anyway. Whatever. Like, people are playing it Marvel, which kind of makes sense, especially if you're doing like the glimmer thing and just like. The maybe a more controlling route and eventually setting up to like hard cast Ulamog and this thing like draws you cards and basically lets you cast Glimmer for free, which is kind of nice on those turns where you're not drawing cards and then we'll eventually cast Ulamog. So it seems like it fits pretty well. So, so I have seen it out of Bant, I presume as a cyborg card. I'm not sure. But most of the lists that I've seen it like just jamming in the main deck are serving the conduit deck. So like it kind of functions as like another proxy for Chandra, just like a planeswalker e-card that's very powerful if it stays on the battlefield yeah and is your two main colors instead of like a double splash on your splash color i mean this card is super scary to play against if it stays around for a while it, it's basically nissa's renewal for ulamog at some point yeah so i don't know that's that's another direction you could take with this deck i have no idea if it's right or not but things like bounty of the luxa just like scare the crap out of me too for <laughs> as far as like what sideboard cards i play you know yeah, you're, like, up, you're up to no good if you're playing this card, and it's a card that's pretty hard to interact with. Yeah, so I can play Manglehorns and Dissenter's Deliverances, but I've been playing Appetite for the Unnatural, and I think I mentioned this last week, but like, yeah, this is another card that's popping up where it's like, oh man, I'm so glad I have Disenchants and not Shatters. Yep, I've uh, been registering both Appetite and World Breakers in various places, and I've been pleased with both. I've not quite gotten to World Breaker territory, but... Oh, I love breaking off some worlds. That's. I think that's where you and I differ. You're, uh, you're turbo fogging and world breaking, and I'm like hazarding people. Yeah, but I got other people to do the hazarding. I some somebody's got to do the world breaking, and I take that responsibility. Well, I have I have Sam Black to do the zombie thing. I have the internet to do the blue green rampy thing, and you also to some degree. But I'll stick with like trying to make mono red, even though I think I've never made a good mono red deck in my life. It's tough. It really is. It's a an, an underrated obstacle is making mono red playable. I know for a fact that it involves Alms of the Vein. I know that. That is a truth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, once you can have a critical mass of disintegration type effects, like, the, those things add up. It's Burn is scary to play against, and we haven't had to do that in a while. Yeah. Blue-red Thermo Alchemist got ninth at, at the open, so I did there's another that. thing. Yeah, that that actually made me pretty happy. Even though I I typically hate playing against those decks, like I can appreciate that it's viable. Well, his deck was a little bit bigger. He had 
a little more interaction. He had like Chandra Glorybringer. Oh, okay. So yeah, he he, he kind of had like the old sideboard cards in his main deck. So no Storm Chaser Mage. No, he had those too. He had four of those, four Alchemists, two Glorybringer, and I think two Chandra. Okay, that that's actually like I hadn't thought about it, but that's a deck that really benefits from having Sensor in the format. I'm not sure if he had Sensor in his deck. <laughs> well. All right, whatever. I'm off it. You you blew my Ollie and Trousy thing out of the water. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to blow you out of the water. Yep, no sensor. Oh, I mean, sensor just seems so good in a deck like that. Oh, he had two Reveler also. I like that card, but I've just never been able to make it work ever. Anytime I try to play with that card, I would have like two in my hand at the same time, and I'm just like, oh yeah, this is why this doesn't work. Like you can play one, I think. Yeah, I've I've uh, tried to play some piece of the puzzle into that, and it's just super frustrating at some point. Oh, yeah, I believe that. Jason Bennett is the person who got ninth with Alchemist, and he played on camera round six, I believe, and he played really well. His deck looked really good. I think he eventually lost to Caleb, or maybe he was the first person to beat Caleb. That might have been it. I don't know. Seems like his deck would be um, set up pretty well for the Mono Black Aggro matchup. I think he actually lost to Caleb. I think he just, like, flooded out a bunch. But oh, sure. Yeah, his deck looked good, and I've played against, like, some Thermo Alchemist online, and, like, that card is still very scary. And, yeah, like, people are not ready, like, they don't have, like, life gain or necessarily, like, the fastest clocks. Like, all these decks are kind of slow. People are, are trying to, like, stabilize with Ishkanar or whatever. Like, they don't have, I can't even think of a, a comparable card that people have instantly played to gain life. But people aren't playing with Renewed Faith is basically my point. Yeah, or Pulse of Marasa or whatever. Right. That's not, that's not as incidental, but... The same type of thing. Like, there there just aren't decks in the format that require you to have, like, an Arborbeck Stomper to traverse for. Exactly. People are people are getting brick-walled out of combat, not just, like, pushed out of the game completely. Yep. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll burn people with this Pro Tour. Maybe Zombium, maybe Burnum, maybe Ulamogum. I don't know if I've ever played a, like... I mean, I, I played Zoo at the PT, but that's not really, like, a burn deck. I don't know if I've ever played a burn deck at the PT. Probably not. That's when you know you've given up. <laughs> I mean, if I registered Blue Red Alchemist, that I mean, that's not like a, a give up deck. That's a, you know, I got, I got a plan deck. I want to be clear here. It's not like if you play Burn at all, you are giving up. <laughs> but I think if it's if it's you or me registering Burn, I think we yeah. have given up. <laughs> sure. We if try ever... and do the smart thing and like build these decks and innovate and stuff. And then it's just like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm attacking with Swift Spear or Goblin Guide or whatever. It's like, okay, something went horribly wrong here. I mean, I get, I get sad I, or I have been sad multiple times where it's like come Tuesday, like I've, I've taken this, this weight upon my shoulders to try to, you know, quote unquote, break the format and really explore all the angles or whatever. And I try really hard, and then I just walk up to Brad playing his, you know, black-green mid-range deck, and I'm like, all right, man, let's play some cyborg games. Teach me what you're doing. Yeah, teach me how to gaunty people. Yep, it's like, god damn it. I know the feeling all too well. It makes me think that we should skip the middleman. <laughs> yeah, probably just... Last, last Pro Tour was so refreshing, I just beat Sam Black, like, over and over with four colors <laughs> to Healy, and he was just like, I give up! And then he was just like, uh, yeah, like, someone play me in some control mirrors or whatever. And it's just like, ah, oh, that's really sad. But at the same time, we got a lot of work done, you know? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to go to the testing house. Like, all right, hand me Marty. Let's, let's battle. Yo, I'm, I'm going to send you a list. I made a list of, like, every deck that I could think of in the format. I'm just going to send this to you right now for funsies. All right. It's only, like, 100 decks. So. I see. All right. Shall, shall I read? Oh, God, this is a lot. <laughs> I told you, man. 
I mean, to be fair, a lot of this is just like various color variants of archetypes. It is, but but they're different decks. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, I'm not. If, if I wanted to test, if I wanted to test black blue zombies and black white zombies, I would have to like spend different time doing that, right? So they are different decks. Sure. Obviously, we take some liberties with just crossing multiple of these off the list for even like various combo decks or artifact based decks. Like, it's just so hard to have them function post sideboard against lots of strategies truth and i think that that's part of the skill set is just being able to pick out stuff that is just not going to work it's also sad you know because it's like obviously you want to mess around with your turbo fog deck right yeah i mean that's again that's like why i've been playing on moto but you know granted that's probably a bad example because that deck is probably close to viable it is but neither here nor there like like metal war colossus or whatever like you just can't play that deck when people are playing release the gremlins it's a complete joke yeah Anyway, yeah, burn might be good, and maybe that's kind of like a reasonable way to also change the subject briefly, have a nice little aside, as we tend to do, where I think the format is at a place where if you are doing something that people are not expecting, like, that is a way to get your edge, instead of, like, trying to fight these mid-range mirrors or whatever. You know, if you if you show up with a burn deck, like, people might not have sideboard cards for you and might not be ready for you, like... They might be ready to face, like, a turn 5 Mardu draw, not, like, a turn 4 burn draw. I agree, but still, at the end of the day, fundamentally, you have to do something either extremely powerful and go way over the top of your opponent, or just be generally proactive. Alms of the venue. Go. Yeah, I mean, I I can't beat that card. I wonder if anyone can. Maybe that's it. Maybe I broke it. Can you just put Thermo Alchemist in Red Black? I, I played against one of those on Moto, and they, they clowned me. It was bad. I mean, that doesn't seem unreasonable to me at all. Dan Ward played Grixis at one of the Grand Prix. It, w- it was like right after Blue Red did something, right? And then he added Black for like Alms and Collective Brutality. So I always remembered like Alms Brutality potentially being in a Thermo Alchemist deck. And I tried to build it, came up a little short. Uh, the person I played against online also had the Lightning Rift. Oh, Cycle and Drain 2? Yeah. That's sweet. Okay. Seems like you would run out of resources very, very quickly, but it's very cool. Well, he had, like, reunions and... Or, like, definitely Tormenting Voice, maybe some reunions and then a couple revelers. But, I mean, it's it's cycle or discard. So, like, yeah, maybe you run out of resources. But, like, there are enough things where, like, they replace themselves. And you have, like, some nice cyclers. Just, like, being able to play the cycling land, for example. Yeah. I guess, realistically, if you can just, like get in the first four with it then you've gained enough life to survive to get in the six and then once you've gotten six damage out of that card yeah and then that's another thing too is like both alms and that drain them and people's clocks are like kind of slow already so unless it's exactly gideon i think you can generally generally race a lot of people uh the other thing i just remembered this that the guy did to me where i was like oh crap was like we were kind of like shit talking bedlam reveler (laughs) <laughs> and there was a there was a turn where he played like land seven and it was a cycling land when he had the lightning rift and like two cards in his hand. I was like, what the hell? And he like reveler discarded his hand and drained me. Oh. So that's another thing. Man, that's cool. Yeah. You got got. I did. I got I got clowned real bad. So yeah, now now I'm like fired up. Now all I want to do is play Alms of the Vein decks. Okay, I'm I'm definitely like gonna sketch that out as soon So as that'll be that'll be my next project. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring my my wealth of information to my testing team here in about an hour. And that's going to be Alms of the Vein and Black White Zombies. Okay, cool. Have you played Control at all? Kind of. I mean, I've played, like, my takes on Control decks. Okay. I think 
my take on blue red would not be that much different than what everyone else is doing yeah that's kind of why i haven't played much with blue red specifically because those lists just look straightforward and reasonable to me yeah i kind of want like the third pull i kind of want like a kefnet main because it seems like if the control mirrors matter that card's hard to deal with although people are going like higher on commit to memory so maybe it's just not even really a thing i don't know and then I would want to work on sideboard plans a little bit, so at least I had a reasonable backup plan. But I also feel like I'm pretty bad at playing control these days, so maybe I should just not mess with it, because I know I'm not going to play at the Pro Tour anyway. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel. Like, after... Don't get me wrong, these blue control decks are much, much better now, just because, again... Oh talk, my god, they're so much better. <laughs> we've talked about this. Magma Spray, Sensor, Pull From Tomorrow, etc. Essence Scatter. Essence Scatter. But I'm just not interested in having to hit my first six land drops or die on the spot. It's just really frustrating yeah. sometimes. But jeez, these decks are so much better than they were, and they're already pretty good. Yeah, I mean, Gear Hulk's a hell of a card. That is true. I do agree that Kefnet is awesome, at least very specifically at what it does. It's very hard to deal with. Uh, Commit to Memory is also very good, though. And I agree that people should be playing with it more. And if that's the case, maybe Kefnet isn't viable. Yeah. Uh, so what else? There's like Blue White, there's Drake Haven, I think Jody Keith. Cashed the open with a weird-looking blue-white deck with one Torrential Gearhulk. And Aaron Barrage played it in the Classic and I think top 16 I mean, that just strikes me as wrong. I don't, I don't really have much to add other than that. Biggest problem with blue-white to me is just lack of one-mana interaction. Magma Spray is so, so good. Like, you have to deal with so many Scrap Heap Scroungers to, to win. So you didn't see their deck list, did you? No, I didn't. They had Spontaneous Mutation? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I've seen that popping around. My biggest issue with that is, like... I want to play sweepers in this deck, and then I still have to deal with Scrounger. I think I think the plan there is that you just buy enough time that eventually what you do just goes over the top of them, and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the logic, but... That card did get a lot better with cycling, for whatever that's worth. Do you agree with that? That's definitely a good point, but I don't know. You just, you just need so many resources to overcome Scrap Heap Scrounger. I'm writing out a black-red deck list. How bad is, like, Key to the City with the Lightning Rift? Is that, like, too much of a nonsense engine? Does that do it for you? Those two questions are entirely different things, Jerry. <laughs> Does it for me? Yeah, sure. But it's it's definitely garbage. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I guess you have Alms, Fiery Temper. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm not sure if you can play Blood Hall Priest in this deck, but it's something I would at least take a look at. No, I don't think you can. Sure. Uh, I mean, are you trying to, like, Lightning Axe? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I like I like Axe, Alms of the Vein, and Faith of the Devoted to just give you, like, kind of free ways to buy time and uh, then have some ways to, like, draw cards, whether it's Reveler or Key to the City or some, you know, even just, like, Tormenting Voice. Collective Defiance, I guess. It's, like, another one. I like, yeah, yeah. You, I mean, you kind of need, like, a Critical Mass of Burn in a deck like this. Yeah. Just, like, being at 30 and being alive on turn 5. Seems like a pretty easy way to figure out some way to burn people out, especially if they don't have a lot of incidental life gain. We're doing, like, Insolent Neonate? Blood Rage Brawler? No, I don't think so. I don't think you want creatures. Okay. Except for Alchemist. All the creatures are okay, but mostly pretty bad. You want some insult to injury in this Thermo Alchemist deck? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Just going off? It's. I mean, it's probably free to play some. Ooh, also, Black Red gets cut ribbons, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's the appeal of playing Black Red over Blue Red to me. Okay, so I guess I'll play three acts and three cut. Anyway. I mean, can you fit enough artifacts in addition? It, it, like, if you can play key plus, like, I don't know, six more artifacts, then Disintegration looks good, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you can do that. Brutality kind of drains them. That's nice. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, so Control is good, probably very good, and maybe we're not giving it enough credit, I guess. But I, I assume that if, if Control were good, my teammates would tell me, because last time Control was bad and they thought it was good, so... I, I definitely give it credit. I think it is good. Like, you, you definitely need cyborg planes against Torrential Gear Hulks going into this PT. I'm, I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah, and... To that end, I've I've liked Dispossess a lot more than stuff like Lost Legacy. I like bringing one in against decks that I know have four gear hulks, and I definitely like having access to some of that stuff for Marvel. Instead of, like, Red Black or Mardu just playing, like, a Transgress or Lay Bear the Heart or whatever, it's like, I think just having, like, a Dispossess on top of all that stuff is much better than the third discard spell or whatever. I mean, the games definitely get way, way, way easier to play if you're not having to deal with gear hulks. Yep, otherwise, you know, having some incidental way to kill them is pretty nice, either like Manglehorn or just a Disenchant that probably tags other stuff in their deck. Yep, agreed. Uh, other than that, I've been playing a bunch of energy decks. Some of that involves Aetherworks Marvel, some of that involves playing, like, Sahili with no Sahilis, and just, like, Glorybringer and Bristling Hydra instead, and they've been pretty good, actually, so that that might be my default choice right now, just something along those lines. Yeah, uh, we, we've kind of probably been looking at stuff that's a little bit more aggressively slanted than the decks you're describing, like, you know, Voltaic Brawler, Long Tusk Cub, Ronus, uh, and, you know, those cards look good. So there were enough of those decks that got posted between Magic Online and the Open, and, yeah, they're certainly pretty appealing, but I don't think it's, like, my speed or anything. Sure. Yeah, I think I think Bristling Hydra is just still one of the most underrated cards out of Kaladesh. It's just so hard to deal with. Cho was watching me play a League... And I, I was just joking about how Bristling Hydra is just Felidar Sahili in one card. Eh, I mean... I, obviously that's ridiculous, <laughs> right? But, like, <laughs> I was, like, using my Chandra as, like, a bait spell against control that, so that I could stick my Hydra, you know? And then they could just never deal with it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really is just screwed up. That was my uh, main takeaway, was that, like, Hydra is great, way better than I thought it was is an energy sink to the point where I don't think I need four Virtuosos, un- unless, like, the metagame actually calls for that or whatever. Like, it's possible that Hydra is just a good sideboard card, but it's not good in game ones. I've seen it show up in a lot of Marvel sideboards. I, I think Marvel having the plan of, like, Tracker plus Hydra makes their deck extremely hard to play against. Yeah, absolutely. Sideboarding is just really tough now, because it's like you have low-to-the-ground beatdown decks, you have control decks, like, you have Marvel as a combo deck, and then you still have, like, Delirium and Mardu for mid-range, so... Yeah, it is really difficult. Like, 15 cards just does not feel like enough. I, I definitely agree with that. You just want, like, cohesive, proactive game plans. Like, you don't you don't want to be... You kind of talked about it, but you don't want to be, like, transgressing your opponent. It's just not that effective. Yeah, and even in mid-range mirrors, like, I've been like, oh, I'm on, I'm on the draw, like... Maybe maybe transgress will be good here because like I don't have a lot of twos anyway, and just every time I bring in like transgress in a mid range mirror, it just feels so bad. Even like negate, which is generically a very good cyborg card, it feels a lot worse in this format because you're having to deal with these incidental creatures, torrential gear hulk, like tagging Marvel feels good or whatever, but it's still not going to beat their their deck post board. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like it it just seems like before there were certainly like the heart of Kieran's Gideons, and then like you know, whatever scary creatures there were, like Avacins and stuff. So you could play, like, all Negates or all Essence Scatters if that were legal. And now it feels, like, even more pronounced where there are way better creatures. Like, they printed a lot of really powerful creatures. Uh, and I think also just, like, a lot of powerful creatures are playable now because you can play Sorceries again. Yes, that's definitely a good point. So, yeah, now just having, like, 
all negates or all scatters or whatever just feels like such a bad plan. Like, you need to be able to deal with, like, a wide variety of things. And part of that is that I don't think that you should be trying to be reactive. So, I'm not I'm not super down with, like, the Glimmer Marvel lists or Control, really, in general. I would much rather prefer to be bristling Hydra-ing people. Yeah, format's weird. Sideboarding's tough. Like, boarding in a bunch of reactive cards is also just not really a great plan. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I got kind of a, a leg up exposed to that early, just thanks to Magic Online playing a bunch, but sideboarding is going to be super, super important for this PT. Oh, God. So, I feel so much more prepared. Like, this time last PT, it was like we were leaving and I hadn't really played any games, and at this point I feel like, you know, if the tournament were tomorrow, I'd be fine. I don't know if I'd be fine. I'd probably just pick a Marty deck or just kind of a generic-y Marvel beatdown deck. I don't know. Well, I, I'd be as fine as I normally am. What, what does that mean, Jerry? No, just like blissfully, ignorantly confident to some degree, but probably going to get crushed. God, I, ne- I just never feel that way. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, being <laughs> able to test on Moto has been nice. And yeah, certainly when I'm building like these energy decks, like you have, you know, three to six slots where you can play like counter spells or some sort of reactive card. And it's like, I flip flop back and forth between like, you know, oh, I just want to play, like, all in the gates so I can tag these stupid enchantments. Or, like, oh, I need Dispel so I can stop, like, pull, like, at a at a really cheap cost while also, like, maybe forcing my threat through or something. Like, oh, well, Dispel and a gate are too narrow. I think I need Metallic Rebuke or whatever. It's just, like, none of these seem like the right answer. No, I They com- just all I, have downsides. I completely agree. And it's it's made it really challenging, uh, especially... Some of the some of the decks that I've played against, I've found myself in scenarios where I boarded out almost all my answers to creatures, and my opponent plays a turn three tireless tracker, and I'm just like, ah, I'm just gonna concede it's over. Yeah, can't beat it. It's brutal. It is brutal. <laughs> it really is. But no, nah, I mean, it, it's refreshing to die to a three mana green creature after I sideboarded. Yeah. Oh, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. My opponent's a genius. Played a tracker on three. <laughs> See, and that's the thing. Like, maybe that's the takeaway, right? Is, like, have your sideboard cards be, like, trackers. And have have that be a part of your plan where it's, like, you get to juke someone. Even if it, like, should be obvious and people should be used to it. It's kind of like the Mardu Planeswalker thing, right? It's like, yeah, they, they probably know about it and they're doing their best. But maybe their cards don't line up well. Uh, at the very least, like, you know, you have, like, Nahiri to answer their stuff, which is also this proactive threat. Or you have, like, Soren to answer their Planeswalkers, which is also a proactive threat. And you deal with the stuff that they're doing by, like, actually presenting, like, a battlefield presence and, like, putting a clock on them and stuff. And that's kind of what I want to be doing. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, even if your opponent realizes that you're capable of doing these things, like, the fact that you're forcing them to hedge makes their plan weaker. And they might just draw the wrong cards, you know? Like, what if they draw a Transgress and you just kill them with a Hard Kirin, right? Yeah, all the cards are so punishing that if they don't line up properly, then it's going to be really difficult to win the game. Maybe that's a good show topic. I'm just thinking about, like, how good is it that the format is kind of like this, and if you just, like, brick for a turn, it feels like you kind of die. You know, like, their tracker lives, or their heart of Kieran lives, and it's just like you lose the game. I've started to draw a lot of parallels to, to Hearthstone with Magic in that regard, honestly. Shadowverse was actually the one I was thinking of, but... Okay, well, it, it, pretty, it feels like if you get, you know, curve-screwed in Magic, it's just over. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be just, fun to talk about. Which is tough, but I do like it. I mean, I've enjoyed playing the games. I don't know about you, but complications aside with, like, the bans and, like, 
Maybe there's a lot of Mardu in real life. Uh, another thing that we didn't really talk about was that there's not a ton of Mardu on Magic Online, or at least it doesn't feel that way. Yeah, obviously and, that, that's just two people's experience, but I, I feel like I've played against a lot more Marvel control, you know, things along those lines than, than Mardu. Yeah, and I, I guess, like, the barrier to entry for Magic Online, assuming you have a reasonable collection, is pretty low as far as, like, you don't have to devote an entire weekend to playing a tournament. You can just try something on Moto, which is basically what you're doing. It's just, like, getting it out of your system, right? So it's, like, it makes more sense why people would be trying new things versus just, like, grinding to try and, like, win. So maybe that's it, but... Yeah, I don't know. Like, all the decks are pretty powerful. They are all rather punishing. It only gets worse, like, every time a new set comes out. But I have enjoyed the games. I have had a lot of fun, so... Yeah, I, I generally agree. Like, I've... I mean, I feel this way pretty frequently, but especially over the last four days, like, every game, I'm just like, ah, I screwed up. Like, if I had just done this, I could have won. Like, it's, it's just... It's really punishing, but, like, it rewards playing tight. Yeah, and especially with the sideboarding stuff. Like, I do feel like my decisions matter. They do, so, they do, for sure. You know, some, sometimes you play some non-games, and sometimes Mardu just draws, like, a bunch of, like, Spires and Aether Hubs and dies or whatever. But aside from that, everything is, is pretty good, I think. Yep, generally agree. Pretty pretty happy with Omniket overall. I think it's it's going to be a fun PT. I believe that. Another thing I want to talk about is I, I don't know how I feel about, like, these sets, like, especially the big sets that only add to archetypes and don't necessarily, like, create new ones on their own. I think, like, that's something interesting to talk about, but we'll table that. Yeah, I, I mean, you could argue that, like, Zombies sort of invalidates that argument, even though a lot of the pieces were kind of just, like, hanging around, just waiting. We also don't know how good that archetype is, right? Yeah. It's kind of up in there. Yeah, but, you know, Boss says good. Shit, man, if, if Boss says it's good, I guess I'll just play it at the PT. Have him give me a list. <laughs> no problem, man. Hey, have, ha- I'll play it at the PT, and I'll just be, like, you know, having him text me every single turn. <laughs> well, you, you should have attacked. Let me give you a hint. Yeah. But no, like, you waited too long, so you can't attack now. You were supposed to attack three seconds ago. Exactly. No, I, that's interesting, too. But, like, I guess Amonkhet didn't really have any... Obviously, we can devote more time to this in the future, but they didn't have any, like in-your-face mechanics like cycling is not comparable to like energy which is another resource altogether and who knows you know maybe maybe we're doing it wrong like energy was a thing that took a a while to take off anyway i think so oh yeah i mean people did not immediately realize that lay of the land was top five cards in the format certainly not a thing we thought was worth splashing for nope and i would have made fun of them even more back then oh yeah dude can you imagine how ignorant we were like six months ago just in general in life it's, I mean, it's just shocking how much we've grown. Dude, just getting smarter every day. <laughs> At least, that, you know, hopefully that's not the ignorance talking, but we'll see. Oh, I mean, I mean we're, we'll be so stupid two weeks from now. And that's game. <laughs>